introducing Rob Hopkins, who's going to talk about transition towns and building local materials, I think. That kind of stuff. Uh, hello, thank you very much for having me. I didn't bring any slides because I kind of figured by the end of today you'd be heartily fed up with them and we could probably do with a bit of a break, but I'm kind of wishing now I had bought a few. Uh, so I, uh, I'm going to sort of give a bit of a grounding, I guess, in, in, in things here uh, in Totnes, Dartington kind of area. Uh, and, uh, but as I've unfortunately missed most of the day, which I'm really uh, sad about, uh, I feel I kind of need to just slightly kind of establish my credentials with such uh, the great and the good of the sort of mud world. Uh, uh, Becky talked about how her way into all of this was through um, uh, was through lime. My way in was through straw, and uh, I got a copy of the book The Straw Bale House in 1995, and something just went off in my head really. Uh, and then I helped out in a building that, 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 that Tom was around as well uh, with Marcus McCabe's Straw Bale House in Monaghan which just was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, and then started something called the Hollies Centre for Practical Sustainability in West Cork in Ireland, which is still, I think, one of the best uh, showcases of earth building, cob building uh, in Ireland, uh, and was very fortunate to train with, with Kevin, who came over and said, you don't want to muck about on tarpaulins, get a digger, and, and uh, showed us. And we built the first two, I think, sort of new cob houses uh, in Ireland then, uh, cement-free, uh, lime, local timber, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they've gone on, I, seen, I moved here in 2005, but also did uh, build a theatre in Cordwood uh, at a college I used to teach at, uh, and various straw bale, cob, hemp, clay, gubbins and malarkey in general, and, uh, and fell in love with it, really. And uh, um, <coughs> it's something which, uh, which I think once, you, once it gets into your heart, it doesn't really leave. And uh, to the extent that in my house now, which is a 1960s concrete block bungalow, the kitchen is plastered with hemp and lime. And when people come and they go, oh, is this cob? And I try and egg them along saying, yeah, this is the original cob cottage and the rest is a kind of a modern extension. Um, one of the things, the other day I got my copy of the Straw Bale House out and found that I'd underlined a line in there which said, the, question, uh, the questions we're trying to pose are basic. How do we build and how does that process occur in relation to the community and the life around us? And, uh, and so really what I want to talk about is, I suppose, what we've been doing in, in, uh, in transition in relation to this and how I think actually natural building materials play a really big role. So transition started out uh, in Kinsale where I was teaching as an idea, really, and then when I came here in 2005, we just started this process with a few people looking at what does a bottom-up community-led response to climate change, to peak oil, to the debt crisis that we're increasingly lurching into. What does that look like? What does it look like if there's a process based on the idea of community resilience as economic development? And one of the things that we've been doing recently here... Oh, so, yeah, so we, we started in 2005. Since then, many hundreds of people have got involved. The, the process here has inspired uh, thousands of other communities in about 40 countries around the world to pick up the, the, the same kind of a response. Uh, in Totnes, we've done things like uh, something called Transition Streets, which has been a kind of a street-by-street a, a street retrofitting programme, uh, people learning about energy efficiency by doing it with their neighbours. Uh, and there's now about 700 households in the town who've done that, and on average, they, uh, they cut their carbon. who's also part of my straw bale education, with, along with Barbara. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's a bit like uh, that's life or something. <laughs> um, uh, 
yeah, and so that, that's been about 700 households on average. They cut their carbon by about 1.2, 1.3 tonnes each, save themselves about £600 a year. The beauty of it, though, is when you meet people in the street who've done it, they don't say, Rob, you know, it's great, I've cut my carbon by 1.2 tonnes. What they say is, I now know Dave down over the road, and Sandra over there, I never knew she was good at doing that, and now we're doing this, and we're starting this, that, and the other. And they meet seven times, but a lot of the time, they have such fun meeting each other, they carry on meeting afterwards. Uh, and, uh, and they set up a community orchard, they set up a community cinema, all this kind of thing. So it's really an exploration about what that kind of bottom-up change looks like, if we can kind of harness that. And one of the things that we've done recently here and in Brixton in London and in Hereford, which is very exciting, uh, is called an economic blueprint. And the idea of that is, in the movement of those of us here, here and beyond who, who, who look at this idea of community resilience, look at the idea of economic localization and the potential of it, we tend to argue that from the perspective that it's a good idea. It's something we should do because it's better for the planet. It's something we should do because it's more nourishing, more well-being and so on. If Tesco's want to open here, <coughs> they say we're going to create 20 jobs and we're going to create X, we're going to bring X amount of money into the economy. We never really do that which is maybe part of the reason why they always steamroller us over. And so what we've done is what we call an economic blueprint. So it's a really detailed mapping of the local economy of Tottenham and District, looking at food, looking at care, looking at uh, buildings and retrofitting, and looking at uh, renewable energy. It means that we now know that every year in Tottenham we spend £31 million on food, of which, of which the large majority, at least 22, 23 million, goes out through just two supermarkets, the majority through just one supermarket. And Totnes has a much stronger local food economy than most other uh, places in the country. It means that we can now say, if we can just shift 10% of what we spend on food in this town to local building materials, that's £2.2 million coming into this economy. And at this time in our economic evolution, where else is that going to come from? There is no cavalry coming riding to the place of somewhere like Totnes. And our argument is that actually we can now start to put some numbers to that. We now know that there's a potential of about, about half a million pounds a year in renewable energy that could be coming into this community. If we look at how we care for the elderly in a different way, we're looking at something similar. When it's all rolled up together, you're talking about potentially millions of pounds through that analogy of the leaky bucket. If we can plug the leaks in that bucket... That's the economic future. That's the story that we need. At the moment, we just hear the story of austerity. It's like a rose bush. We just have to hack it back really hard and it'll miraculously grow back. Or we have to borrow even more money from somewhere in order to kick things off again. I think that third story about community resilience as economic development is a really important and a really timely idea. And it's one of the things that we're really trying to model here. And then that, and so I just wanted to read the little bit, which is from the, uh, uh, the foreword to that, actually, which puts it really beautifully. This report, this will be coming out in about two months, by the way. This report identifies a multi-million pound opportunity to create new jobs, grow new enterprises, and help existing businesses to thrive. It's people-based, community-led, sustainable economic development that provides new livelihoods. At the same time, it helps ensure we can feed ourselves, minimise our fuel bills and carbon emissions, provide safer refuge for our savings and pensions, and take, some of those, and take care of some of those most in need. And the thing that's most exciting about it, I think, is it's not something produced by Transition Town Totnes. It's, going to be, it's produced by the District Council, the Town Council, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the local school, the local college. This is something that there's a coalition that has kind of come behind, and, uh, and that's something that's very exciting, I think. Um, and it's that really, it's that idea of internal investment, I think, 
the idea that actually maybe if we can just shift how we invest our money, we can really make things happen in a different way. You're seeing that in other places to do with transition and often not to do with transition. Some of the examples through uh, what transition groups are doing in Bath, uh, Bath and West Community Energy came out of uh, out of Transition Bath as a community-owned energy company. They raised three quarters of a million pounds in shares from local people by designing a model that people could move their pensions into. If we can start to develop these models people can shift their pensions into, things start to get very interesting. In Bristol, they launched the Bristol Pound recently, if there's anyone here from Bristol. A uh, local currency scheme, you can pay for it, you can go shopping with your phone, you, you pay for things with your phone. The new mayor of Bristol who came in uh, announced on his first his inauguration speech he was going to take his full salary, 51 grand, all in Bristol Pounds. Uh, and, uh, and then when the Queen visited a week later, he gave her a presentation pack as her, as her gift from the people of Bristol. Uh, um, in Dunbar, they started the Dunbar Community Bakery. These kind of things of people investing in the new businesses that need to need to drive the town and support the economy into the future. So, what's all this got to do with earth building and to do with straw layer building? Well, I think that we can apply that same logic that we use when we talk about uh, local food, that it has lower carbon and so on and so on, and it creates more work, to, uh, to building materials. Not an idea that's going to be new to a, to, to a lot of you, but it's an idea that's quite new uh, out there quite often. And there are two big projects that are underway here in Totnes. One of them is, is Transition Homes, and Pam is here from Transition Homes, if anyone wants to talk to her, which, is, uh, which has just bought a site on the edge of the town to build 25 uh, uh, buildings, all affordable buildings, using local materials with uh, cob uh, party walls, straw bale, uh, all that kind of thing. And that's, that's a really, really exciting project, which is kind of up and running now. There's one which is called uh, Atmos, which I'm very involved in, and we run a campaign over the last six months with these little badges and various other things. Anybody come in on the train this morning? Next to the station, there's the big chimney <coughs> and the old building. That site there was a derelict is a derelict eight-acre industrial site that used to be milk processing plant here. At its peak in the 1960s, they bought in milk from 1,300 farms every day and made a ton of clotted cream every day. That's a lot of clotted cream, <laughs> enough to toughen the most fluid of arteries. And uh, and that was and that's just they closed down in 2007 and it's basically just fallen to pieces since then. And what we've been trying to do is bring that site back into community ownership because if we can own the assets and develop them ourselves, there's an enormous power and potential in that. And we were supposed I wanted to be able to come today and tell you the news about that. We've been working on it for six long years and today was meant to be the day we actually heard the decision of the board. We ran a campaign that was about the atmosphere that's the heart of a new economy. And what's beautiful about that, and the point I'm kind of trying to get to, is that it's about what we're trying to do here with, when you put transition homes and Atmos together, is to try and change the story about how a town thinks about development. That we can do things there on a scale where sort of materials that on, a, on, on an individual kind of uh, building make it quite pricey. Actually, those kind of techniques, we want to try and scale them up. And we had uh, Robert Somerville, who some of you may know, who, who work, who's, runs the, the Schumacher Natural Building course and who is a kind of building conservation expert. He did a whole report for us where he mapped all the building materials around Totnes that were viable for a kind of a scheme like this. So we're really hoping that actually what we can model there is on a scale right next to a mainland railway station, something which is a showcase for what we can do with that. But with that idea that actually if we use local materials, more of the money is able to cycle locally. We can train people. It's next to the school. And this is a town that, which is, like many places, under a lot of pressure to develop and to, uh, and to expand and, to, find, and you know, to, to, to make itself bigger and bigger. And really what we want to do is to say there's a different story of how we do that. 
Because whenever something pops up, everyone goes, oh, no, we don't want houses here. Uh, but there's never another, there's never anything they can point to and say, we'd like to do it like that instead. Um, so, uh, um, uh, yeah, so I wanted to, uh, yeah, I wanted to read you a newspaper article from 2018, actually. Don't ask me how I can, a bit like your pictures from the past, wherever Becky's gone. This is a story from about four years in the future, uh, six years in the future, from the Farmer's Journal, which kind of maybe gives a bit of a flavour of, of where, where all this might go, I think. So it's called uh, Local Farm and Agro's Houses for a Living. Unless they sell land for development, farmers usually have little to gain from new housing developments in their area. Jim Ashton, who farms near Woolston in Hampshire, is different. When a nearby development of 120 houses was announced, Jim approached the developers who were looking to build low-carbon buildings uh, and who were keen to support the local economy and offered to provide some of the key ingredients for the buildings. He's now diversified out of dairy farming into hemp, clay plasters, roundwood poles and willow production, all of which is certified by the British Natural Building Board. It's been amazing, Jim told the Farmer's Journal. I now feel as though what I produce will be saved, not just for one meal, but for generations. It's enabled me to take on 20 new people, businesses booming, and many other local builders and developers are now designing my produce into their buildings. And so I think for me, it's, it's, it's really the idea of restorative economics. Actually, how can we look at the, the economy of a place like this and see the future of how we turn all this round uh, in a way which is restorative? Restorative of ecology, restorative of economy, restorative of, of community. And for me, with somebody who, who, although I haven't actually been able to build anything for, for a while now, still feels like I very much have uh, dirt under my fingernails uh, from, from, from many years spent doing this stuff, I think there's such enormous potential for, for, for natural building materials alongside food, alongside renewable energy, as a thing that really turned this round. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Really. Um, yeah.